This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Before I read the gospel, just one brief uh, sentence, and that is to say, two weeks ago, Pastor Jim started a series entitled, No Matter What, Joy. It was based on uh, the book of Philippians, four chapters. Uh, We are going to continue that this morning, no matter what, as we talk about the assurances that we have from God But I'm going to use the preacher's prerogative, and I'm not preaching on Philippians today. I'm preaching on the gospel this morning. So fair warning as you hear the gospel. All the gospel according to Matthew, the 21st chapter. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves. They beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, He sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. We'll get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It's amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded Jesus as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to begin this sermon with a confession. My confession is simply this. I am not the most patient of people. Anyone who knows me halfway well would never choose the word patient to describe me. More than one evaluation I have received during my lifetime has stated, David needs to work on developing more patience. 
I'm 64 and a half, and I'm still trying. I'd like to think that I'm getting a bit better in my older age, perhaps a little bit wiser, but I had such a long way to go in developing more patience that even some, some progress may not look like very much to others. I marvel at my wife, Ginger, who has tolerated my lack of patience and impulsiveness for over 37 years. If you were to look up in Merriam-Webster's dictionary a picture of patience, you would find my wife there. I groan every time she asks me to do a project like hanging curtain rods or hanging pictures or painting something because I know it's going to end up testing my patience. At some point, I know me well enough, I'm going to get frustrated, I'm going to get angry, I will probably explode and then quit. She rolls with the punches. I struggle. I am sometimes reluctant to try new things because I know it's going to test my patience to try to master a new discipline or accomplish something that I've never done before, a new skill. I know I'm not going to have the patience to endure to the end. David, you'll appreciate this. I was a senior at Wittenberg, a music major, and I decided I was going to learn how to play the organ. Now, I started taking piano lessons in first grade. So I had played the keyboard for 16 years when I made the decision, how hard can it be to learn how to play the organ? I took one semester of organ from Trudy Faber at Wittenberg. Every lesson ended in tears, and at the end of the semester I said, I quit. I cannot do this. I really get frustrated and disgruntled with people who test my patience. Even my five-year-old granddaughter, Annie, recognizes this in me. A month or go ago, she came to my house with a book in her hand about uh, Elephant and Piggy. And uh, the elephant's name is Gerald. And the title of the book is, I Hate to Wait. And it was the story of Gerald, who couldn't wait. And she read the book to me, and she says, Pee-pee, you're just like Gerald. I absolutely hate those who camp out in the left lane of Route 33 when I'm driving between here and Indian Lake, and I've gotten more than one ticket for following too closely, riding somebody's bumper. Or when I get in the express lane at the grocery store and there's a line that says no more than seven items, and the person in front of me has a whole grocery cart. I have, to my detriment, alienated more than one person with curt responses or an angry temperament when I lose my patience with them. One of my most frequent confessions to God is my lack of patience. And one of my fervent, most fervent prayers is for God to grant me more patience. And if you don't mind, Lord, could you do it right now? <laughs> For all of those people I have offended over the years due to my impatience and impulsiveness, I am sincerely sorry. I have a personality trait that I just cannot seem to shake. Now, maybe there are those among you this morning who share 
my plight. If you are, I'm here to tell you that there is hope and there is good news. Do not despair, do not give up, for our God is a very, very patient God. Our gospel reading this morning is a story of God's extravagant, great grace, radical inclusiveness, and His relentless compassion. God never gives up on you, on me, not on anyone. Even when we give God every reason to stop trying to redeem and to save us. This morning we have as our gospel reading Jesus' parable of the wicked tenants in the vineyard. Now, this is the fourth in a series of five parables, a continuous reading from Matthew's gospel these last few weeks. One parable leading directly into another. Jesus begins this morning, let me tell you another parable. This series of parables began three weeks ago with the parable of the unforgiving servant. You may remember Peter asking Jesus, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister? Seven times? And then Jesus tells the parable of that man who owed 10,000 talents to his master. And the master forgave him. And then that man turned around and couldn't forgive a few hundred denarii to somebody who owed him. And then two weeks ago, you you may remember, we had the the story of the workers in the vineyard. Where people were hired at 6 o'clock in the morning and at 9 o'clock in the morning and at 12 noon. And some were hired at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, those that were hired last got paid first. And they received a full day's wages. And those who were hired at 6 o'clock in the morning received the exact same amount. And Jesus concluded that parable saying, And so the last will be first and the first will be last. Last week on Pastor Jim's final Sunday here, we had the parable of the two brothers. Remember, you had the one brother who said, oh yes, daddy, I will do exactly what you want, and he doesn't do it. And the other brother who says, sorry, pop, I'm not doing it. And he ends up doing what the father asked him to do. And Jesus concluded that parable telling the scribes and the Pharisees, he says, therefore I tell you that prostitutes and tax collectors will enter the kingdom of heaven before you do. Now this morning we have this parable of the wicked tenants. When Jesus concludes saying, therefore the kingdom will be taken away from you and given to those who produce the fruits that the master wants. Next week, we will have the parable of the great wedding feast where Jesus or the master invites people to come to the wedding feast and they all turn around with different excuses and can't come. So he goes out into the highways and he buys ways and he invites people to come in and we have all the poor and the destitute that are there. But one poor chap shows up not wearing the right attire and he's thrown out where there is great weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a strange one but he fails to follow the rules. Now, these are difficult parables. At least they were for the scribes and the Pharisees. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to find they're pretty hard to listen to. This morning, Jesus tells the story of a landowner who plants a vineyard. He puts a fence around it, he digs a wine press, he builds a watchtower, and he leases it out to tenants that they will care for it, and they will have a means of sustenance. Now, judging from the first reading this morning, which is almost an identical parable, 
we know that the landowner is God. We know that the vineyard is the house of Israel. And we know that the tenants are the Jewish nation. It's a story that begins by saying God has shown nothing here but tremendous, lavish grace to Israel. There is lots of opportunity to produce the fruits that the master desires. The story continues. The owner sends out servants to collect the owner's share of the harvest. We are told that they, one is beaten, another is stoned, a third is killed. So the landowner's attempts here at receiving a return on his investment is thwarted. Now, back to the beginning of this sermon for just a minute here. This is where the patience part comes in. If this had been me, I'd have lost my patience and rid myself of those tenants immediately. How dare you? But not this landowner. Instead, a second time, he sends servants more than the first time. And again, the tenants are beaten, stoned, and murdered. Okay. Now, the landowner will certainly deliver justice upon those tenants. Not so. What kind of landowner is this? I don't believe that even the most patient of us would tolerate this again. Maybe my wife. But the landowner persists. He does not give up. A third time he sends his emissary. This time, his only son, i.e. Jesus. Now, what will the tenants do? Well, they seize him, they throw him out of the vineyard, and they kill him. Why? Their reasoning is because of his inheritance. If they kill him, they will get everything the Father has to give him. But they want it for themselves. No sharing with others. Now Jesus asks his audience, what's the landowner going to do? And the audience answers immediately, as all of us would who have lost all patience by this point, He's going to give them what they deserve. He's going to kill them. He's going to find new tenants that are more gracious. That's what we want to happen. That's what we expect to happen. It is the only fair thing to do. But surprise, that's not what happens. God is determined to be graceful. He will not allow his efforts to be thwarted. God does not give up. The tenants, they thought they got what they wanted. The son's inheritance. The entire kingdom. And my friends, they did. They received exactly that. Jesus tells his audience, the stone that the builders rejected that has become the cornerstone. It's that great reversal Pastor Jim talked about last week from Philippians, where the servant, the slave of all, is raised up 
the right hand of God, that at his name every knee should bow. And Jesus concludes, it's the Lord's doing. (laughs) You had nothing to do with it. You thought you did, but it's the Lord's doing. As if to say, you rejected to the, key, the keys to the kingdom. You rejected God's grace time and again, but the kingdom, it came anyway. And you indeed are part of it. God's grace wins out every time. Every time God's grace wins out. God, God doesn't blast those tenants away to smithereens. God allows them to kill his very son so that God can show them the extent of God's grace. They wanted what belonged to the Son, the vineyard, the kingdom, and they received it. God will have God's way. No matter how wicked, no matter how undeserving we may be, we can deny God's grace. We can do all in our power to thwart it but we cannot keep it from happening. If we fail to be graceful, God will find others. It's not up to us. That's the nature of God's kingdom, God's grace. Every week we come here, and before we really enter for worship, the first thing we do is we stand on the doorstep and we proclaim to God our unworthiness. God, we blew it this week. We don't even deserve to be here. And we hear the word of God's grace. You are my child. You are forgiven. Come, take your place at my table. Each week we hear those words of forgiveness and the assurance of God's presence in and through this meal that we share. And each week we leave here knowing that we have all of these good intentions, but we're eventually going to fail again. Maybe for some of us before the sun even sets today. But we leave here knowing that we have an inheritance. God's kingdom, God's vineyard, they are ours through his mercy and grace and through the merits of his son. We cannot keep God's kingdom from coming. We pray only and forever that it comes to us again and again. And we pray, too, that somehow we may be instruments in God's hands in which others experience that same grace and mercy. Amen.